as those bookings started to come in early in the year, I started to realize that like, wait, wait a second, this the short-term rental space, if you can put systems in place and figure out how to kind of do this thing, you can scale very quickly um, and you can basically get me to, to leave my job as quickly as possible. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Vintory. Let's get real for a second about growing property inventory. It can be really challenging, complicated, and sometimes even expensive, right? Well, now we have a tool to help make this the least stressful and most profitable process possible. That's right. Growing your rental management company can be accomplished faster with the support of Vintory. We're talking a total property portfolio overhaul in just a matter of months. That's because Vintory is the first and only sales and marketing platform of its kind. Think about how you want your property portfolio to grow and what your main business goals are, and then experience for yourself how Vintory can help propel you there. Sign up now at Vintory.com slash STR and get a copy of Brooke's best-selling book from zero to 500 properties in five years absolutely free. Plus, you get a $50 Amazon gift card when you book a full demo today. Don't wait. Go to Vintory.com slash STR. Thanks for listening. And now it's time to get into the podcast. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, E? My brother, so good to see you. It's a double session for us today. We had our seven-figure boardroom call, which is, I am so excited. Like, I get so fired up just being around, like, good, like-minded people, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but super excited. And then just, like, super grateful of, like, really seeing all of the journey that we've done over the last couple of years, right? Being in a room with people that, like, are a little bit at the beginning and seeing all of the systems that we've integrated. So I have to give a huge... Shout out to Tasha. As you know, she's my implementer. And without her, I would still be using an Excel spreadsheet and taking people's credit cards on random envelopes in my car. <laughs> I never did, but in case I was doing it, that's what I did. So yeah, without her, our business wouldn't be what it is. Uh, and it just so I'm so grateful that I'm able to share what she has created. Uh, and kind of take a lot of credit when a lot of credit is not due to me necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. um, but seeing all of the things that we have implemented and all the systems that we have like created and how much of a difference they've made and being able to share that with our peeps and seeing like how it's helping them just gets me super, you know, makes me grateful for one protection and the business that we have, but also for just like our journey and, and you know, how we can share it. 100%, man. 100%. Yeah, man, I'm excited. So we, this week we got a 52 unit hotel under contract. So super pumped for that. Um, yeah, so this, this is a big boy. Uh, pretty excited. We're going to go walk it tomorrow and then start our whole due diligence process, uh, which I was breaking down today on that boardroom call, just showing people like, what does that process look like? What do you need to think through? What are the things that you need to get lined up in order to close something like that? So yeah, I'm excited for that. And then, um, I finally like got over COVID and then all of a sudden I started feeling like shit again and like started spiking a fever and just getting shakes. And so my wife asked me to go to the doctor and if you guys that watch the YouTube channel or if you've been following me for a while on Instagram or whatever, I've had this like weird thing on my neck that was kind of just growing 
and they're like, I went and they're like, yeah, that looks really infected and we need to remove that like immediately. So I went, I went in yesterday and then went right into surgery and they cut this golf ball thing out of my neck. And, uh, I'm like, listen, man, I gotta, I gotta run an event in Miami. I better be good to go. And, um, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. But I gotta go pick up some antibiotics cause I'm spiking a fever again. So come on. But I will be I will be ready to go in Miami. I promise. You got 24 hours. If not, just let me know. I'll go drop off some soup for you when you get down to Miami on Saturday. As long as by Sunday night, you're good. We're all. I will be I will be good. Come hell or high water. So yeah. I will be good to go. So yeah, man. A lot of good stuff going on right now. Really excited. And my son started first grade. It's really cool. So, so cute. Yeah, yeah. So things are good. So. I don't want to hold this up because I'm really excited for today's episode. I was just pulling up his bio. We were catching up offline. Fellow, uh, fellow mass hole who has, who's moved on to uh, greener pastures up in Maine. But today we've got Justin Howe on the show with us. Uh, he currently has 14 short-term rentals. He owns nine of them up in the Acadia National Park area of Maine, which is a beautiful area. If you guys haven't checked that out, you definitely should. Um, so really excited to talk with Justin today and hear his journey and uh, where he's at now. So Justin, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Hey guys. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. For giving me the time to come on and uh, kind of explain what's going on up in Maine. It's sometimes feels like a forgotten state. So I'm, I'm glad to be able to shed some light on it. Yeah. I feel like if you're not from New England, like you don't appreciate Maine, but it's beautiful up there. Like it's amazing. It, so. It's unbelievable. And to be honest, so I'm, I'm in the I reside in the Portland, Maine area now, but I invest up in Acadia. So it's still about three hours north. So there's quite a quite a length of state that you can kind of cover. And it's it's pretty interesting that the the breadth of the landscape that changes from the Portland area all the way up to the, the Acadia area. So it's kind of cool to kind of be able to, to see all aspects of it. I love it, man. So why don't you walk us back through like what were you doing before? What got you in the short term rentals and kind of where you're at now? Sure. Yeah. So I've been invested in real estate since basically the end of 2020. I had um, started, uh, went to school, like you said, from Massachusetts, uh, ended up going to school in Rhode Island, uh, studying finance and economics, ended up moving on from there, getting a first job, moved to Boston, worked for John Hancock. Uh, I was doing a lot of fixed income style work, but I was um, specializing in the oil and gas space which is pretty fascinating. That was actually at the time when oil at the first, <laughs> the first blip in oil uh, was hitting about $20 a barrel. So it was a really cool time to kind of dive into this fast paced finance type role, um, especially in an industry that every day that I walked in, even didn't know what was going to happen. So did that for about two years. And I started to hit a breaking point where I just felt I wasn't being stretched enough. Uh, I was looking for something that I can get a little more in the weeds and maybe become more of an expert. So I started to network and came across, uh, I guess my former uh, boss, but, uh, the next role was down in New York city. So I kind of moved more on the equity side and I ended up working for uh Citibank down there, uh, doing some equity research. And again, it was in oil and gas and that was a pretty good experience. They learned a ton, did that for about four years. And I just exited that in June of this year. So it's been a, only a couple of months of me trying to figure out this new work for yourself, work from home <laughs> style type work, but it's been fascinating, but I can't appreciate what that job has lent to me to be able to kind of um, jump into this career path now and kind of start growing this portfolio. Cause uh, my, I guess my Excel and financial modeling skills 
really have helped me kind of look at the real estate asset class and kind of dumb it down to, I guess, a more simple level for uh, me to understand. And, and then kind of just once I saw the numbers and you take the emotion out of it, it's kind of easy to just start pulling the trigger on some some assets. Yeah. And I, I love I love it. So we we're part of a mastermind together and we connected on a call. And and to me, I I immediately wanted to have you on the show because to me, you are the perfect representation of what one of our listeners will be like, right? Somebody that has a great job, but also you grew really quickly, right? Because 2020 is when you started investing. I know that you kind of scaled really rapidly. And it's just like, it's so beautiful to me to see like how you've done it while still having your job. And now you're able to like quit your job in June and now you're 100% doing this. And I know it wasn't, was this the, like, you think this was going to happen so quickly when in 2020 you decided to start investing in real estate or... Did you surprise yourself as well? I definitely surprised myself. I mean, when I, when I was first starting, it was, uh, honestly, I kind of fell into the short-term rental space. So, but what, what I was doing is I was, I was sitting in my apartment in New York city, COVID had hit, basically had all this time, picked up my first real estate book. And naturally I went to the long distance real estate investing by David Green. Cause I was like, I'm living, living in New York city. I'm not going to be investing here. So <laughs> what are we going to do? So that kind of spurred the initial kickup in kind of the asset class. Before that, I was like this big, bad equity guy, right? I was like, oh, equities are great, all this stuff. But then you just read something about real estate and then you start to connect the dots on everybody who's living these financially secure lives and lucrative lives are all invested in real estate. You start to kind of think differently. So that book led to another book or it led to 10 other books. And eventually I kind of was like, all right, this is what I'm doing. And I, at first, like I said, I, I stumbled into short-term rentals, but at first I was going to do these bird strategies <laughs> down in Philadelphia. So I was living in New York. I was like, oh, I could just rent a car, drive down there an hour, um, do these things. And I, I honestly, that entire summer of 2020, I was going back and forth to Philly, working with this investor agent, but that was when the market was like really kicking back up. I mean, the market was already, already hot, but I was going to buy these things on like pennies of the dollar, like 35,000. And then like what burn them and have like, may, maybe make them like 75, 80, 80 K, but, and have a couple of hundred dollars of, of, of income. But at first that was what I was going to do. I was like full blown on that. Thank God it turned out to be pretty hard for me to really get into that market. It was super competitive. So I ended up kind of pivoting and that's where I started to kind of look. And I was like, okay, I, all these podcasts, all these books, everybody says like, invest or look where you have some type of connection. And so I at first was like, okay, I was, I'm from Massachusetts and I kind of looked back there, but I'm not from like the Boston area. I'm from the uh, Western part of the state. And I was like, you know what? It's not really a place that I really want to be invested in long-term, but I ended up, I, I do have grandparents and some aunts and uncles that live up in Acadia. Uh, and I've been going there for about 30 years, I'm 30 years old. So I've been going there my entire life. And I instantly started to think like, okay, maybe there's something to be set up there. So that's kind of when I pivoted and, and looked up there, uh, came across a four unit, uh, opportunity. And at first two of them were short-term rentals. Two of them were long-term rentals. I knew nothing about short-term rentals, but just running the back of the envelope math, I was like, all right, I think this gives me enough cushion to kind of start testing out this real estate thing and ended up closing on that. And the first summer was 2021 last year as those bookings started to come in early in the year, I started to realize that like, wait, wait a second, this, this short-term rental space, if you can put systems in place and figure out how to kind of do this thing, you can scale very quickly. Um, and you can basically get me to, to leave my job as quickly as possible. Oh yeah. 
the perfect story, like exactly, <laughs> like exactly the story. So what does your systems look like? What's your team like? What are some of those things that you're relying upon to help you grow so quickly? Sure. I would say at first there wasn't, there was, it was one of those things like you're kind of building your parachute as you're, as you're descending. But when I first started, I, I closed on that property. I, it was really good that I actually had to like learn everything hands-on. So I ended up closing in that in December of 2020. I had to get some renovations done during the spring. I ended up moving up to Maine in April of 2021. Uh, went right up to the Bar Harbor area, stayed with some family there uh, to kind of really get my hands dirty because I was working from home anyway, so I could kind of do that. So at first it was just me. So, I mean, I was learning things on the basics of like, the turnover process and getting a cleaner and making sure that they're doing this and that and okay how to run the airbnb platform and and like different pricing strategies i will say my pricing strategy at the first year was was not that great because i was booked out basically by like <laughs> march and april for a very seasonal business that's in the summer so uh, i know now to push pricing but then i didn't learn but what ended up having happening was uh business started to to come in once the bookings were there i started to implement kind of the easy automated messages and could see how that could be offloaded pretty quickly the bookkeeping i was still doing hands-on uh, i basically was a, a one-man band what ended up happening was by the middle of the summer um when i knew that this was exactly how i was going to start investing in real estate and, and kind of exit corporate america what i ended up doing um, is i started to seek more opportunities. So I, I connected with a, a real estate professional or a, an agent there that invests themselves. They're actually a family friend too. So it worked out and I started targeting more assets. And with the thought of me targeting more assets, I knew that I couldn't necessarily do, uh, I couldn't continue to grow and kind of do all that on my own, or at least I didn't really know what I didn't know at the time. So I ended up contacting a, coming across an old buddy from high school that we were still pretty close. And uh, he works for a property, or he did, he worked for a property management company for assisted living um, out of Boston. He was living in Boston at the time. And I kind of just showed him what I was getting into and it instantly clicked with him. And he was like, this is awesome. Like, this is like, he was thinking about different ways to utilize different technologies and do this and that. And I kind of asked him if he wanted to help me kind of integrate some of these things, uh, some of the, the, the first technologies. And that's when he ended up kind of coming on. I paid him like just a here and there, uh, it wasn't anything, but I was able to quickly able to convince him to kind of come and, and I'd hire him full time to come manage the portfolio, especially as I grew. But I would say that what we have integrated since has been kind of the channel manager. We use Guesty, and then it took us until earlier this year to really, uh, come up well, and we kind of heard about price labs, but didn't really, uh, look into it too much, uh, cause he was doing a lot of dynamic pricing himself. But as soon as we saw the value in, I think we did like a trial on it. We're like, let's see this. We threw it on one unit to kind of see the difference. And we figured out pretty quickly that you could still have the dynamic pricing, but still have control of it. So it's not like you're just giving it all up to, to price labs and you hope that for the best. And so once we started to see that and we saw actually for the price of it is, is very, a very low cost technology. We ended up in implementing that. And then through connection with you guys, uh, we were chatting on Breezeway and I ended up following up with that technology and we're integrating that currently. So I don't have much to speak on that, but it looks like it could be a very um, amazing piece of technology, especially for our operations side, for the turnover and the maintenance portion of it. I love it. What a dream. So you got your first one 
about a year ago. How many are you at now? So I have nine total units. One of them is a long-term rental just because there was, I think it would just take too much capital. It's an old house, take too much capital to kind of kick the the boys that live in there out and and kind of do it. So it might come down the road, but I have one long, long-term rental. I have eight short-term rentals and I'm closing on another one, uh, another three-bedroom home next week. Um, and then we ended up starting to take on some third-party management stuff. So we, we managed another five additional units. That's pretty quick in a year. So from zero to 14, essentially. Yeah. Like I said, the first one was the four unit. And then I ended up getting a two unit after that and then three different condos. Um, and those all came at the end of last year. So the, the winter was, was painstaking and it was me uh, basically moving, even though I had an apartment in Portland, I I'd moved up to uh, Bar Harbor for the winter to do a lot of, I had a lot of projects because these, these places needed some decent capital to get rent ready. So what's the plan now? So it sounds like, are you, are you out of the job now? This is like your full-time thing. This is it. Yeah. As soon as I kind of, now the way that this all worked out is it worked out perfectly, I guess somehow, but, uh, maybe the stars aligned. But, uh, when I got that first four unit, I was doing back the envelope math. And I basically said, Hey, if I can close on five more properties or five more units, short-term units by the end of the year and get them up and running by next season, then I have, my goal was I would quit my job once I surpassed my income from that, that, that job. So back the envelope math. I ended up putting that goal in place. I was able to close on that. So I knew it was basically just a timeline of me getting, I don't know, five, four, yeah, five units ready at that point, which turned out to be <laughs> quite the experience. But that was basically it as I basically put that goal in place and, and kind of knew. So yes, I, I did just exit in June, right as those units kind of all went online. And I would say they staggered from April and May. I kind of worked with my boss and I told him I didn't want to leave him out to dry. So I basically told him what I was doing, but I was transparent with him a year ago, last summer. Uh, I kind of knew what I was going to do. I told him I'd be phasing out with him and, uh, yeah, we worked together, but yeah, June 23rd was the last day of the W2. So it's full time now. That's amazing, dude. Congratulations. And I think it's cool how you were transparent with your boss. Cause I know when I left my job, I was nervous as hell to give my notice because I wasn't like something just told me one morning, like today's your day. So I just did it. And we weren't like, we were close. Like we were under contract on our first hotel. So I knew within the next couple of months I was going to leave and my boss could have easily just let me go that day. But he appreciated the fact that I was giving him a heads up. And I was like, I'm here to just help with this transition to replace me. And he said something that was so interesting. He was like, man, I'm so jealous of what you've been able to do. And I, I just found that so fascinating because I think so many people are afraid that their their boss or whoever is going to hate them when they, you know, go to leave. But deep down, most people don't enjoy what they're doing mm -hmm. and they're secretly jealous of you going out and building something for yourself and creating your own life. Mm -hmm. that hopefully it just inspires other people to do the same. So don't worry about the haters. Um, be transparent with all that stuff. And when you have a bot that loves what they're doing, they would love for you not to be part of their team if you're not passionate about it so they'll even more supportive about you affording and again like it's the one life we got right so i'm like i don't understand why people are afraid of disappointing other people more than they're afraid of disappointing themselves right so it's just like it, it it's a matter of fact that like even if your boss is disappointed even if your team is disappointed especially like big corporate america it's just part of the con that they make you feel like you matter at the end of the day as soon as mike left the big company like the big company dog 
they'll find somebody to replace me in a second, right? And then by, you know, a couple months, six months, a year later, they'll be like, yeah, Mike used to be here. Now he's, he's free, you know? And some people will be jelly, but most people will be just supportive and, and kind of similar to what happened with, uh, with Justin as well. So I'm, I'm curious, like, so what's the goal now? So, right. So you, you got that finish line, you're out of the job now. Congrats. It's amazing. So where do you see the company going in say the next 12 to 24 months? Like what's your, what's your next target right now? Yeah. So, um, recently kind of come to the conclusion that, uh, I want to pour a lot of effort into the, the short-term rental, the management business. I I'll continue to kind of pick up uh, I'm putting on pause a little bit of my acquisition, just given the uncertainty and kind of what's going on. I'm trying to stack some cash and I'd like to kind of personally maybe just stack my chips and be able to kind of diversify into some type of commercial asset, like when the time's right, when the everything, I don't know, hopefully I can get a good uh, entry point, but um, that's kind of personally what I'm, I'm looking to do with the portfolio. And that's not to say if some sweet deal comes across and I know it's just going to be a killer short-term rental. I'll probably pick it up, but I'm not going to be out with like, with a pound in the, the pavement for some leads. But to be honest, most of my leads have really come from that agent. So it's been pretty just straightforward. I mean, he's an investor himself and his and buddies do the same thing up there. It just happened to be that they went through an acquisition tear and they were on pause. So like he funneled me just stuff and it was, it was fantastic. And plus, I really didn't know at the time what I was looking for uh, and how to run those numbers. So he was, he, he was able to kind of help shed some light and, and kind of help us understand the, the underwriting. But what I'm really going to focus my time and effort in is the management business. Like I said, I, there's, a, there's a great opportunity up there. Um, and I've kind of stumbled upon it because it turned out when I was starting to acquire all these these properties. And I realized that I wasn't, I didn't want to do that. Maybe I could have figured it out and did the operations myself, but I didn't want to. So I ended up, uh, started to search like local property managers that kind of would take care of it. And there was really not much competition out there. And there really wasn't anybody who had the level of service that I was looking for. I wanted a full package thing. Uh, and I wanted them to really push pricing because that's kind of what I learned is that this market can absorb that. So there was nobody out there, uh, realistically that kind of had that in place. So the dynamic shifted because I went to go hire my buddy full-time to come manage my portfolio. And then we saw this opportunity. So we ended up creating a property management entity, and now we're going down the third party route as well. So he's now taking distributions and whatnot through that. So it's worked out a little differently, but there's so much upside because of the fact that there's nobody around to actually manage these properties and I guess what's unique and might maybe unique or not, and I'm sure it's, it's still a hurdle in other markets, but the labor supply in the area, the local area that we're in is very limited. I mean, I know it is everywhere, but where Acadia national park is, is on an, it's on an Island and, uh, they have long-term housing issues there. So a lot of things are being converted to short-term rentals and whatnot, but uh, they have a long-term housing issues there. So uh, a lot of the people, I guess, more or less the, what you consider the blue collar workers that would kind of help be your boots on the ground. They're not a lot of them around because they can't afford to live. So they are getting pushed out 40, 50 minutes out from the, our local market. So that has been the biggest challenge as well. But I, I see it as the opportunity because I've been able to kind of integrate or we're starting to integrate a couple of like, honestly, some rock stars on our team. Um, within the kind of the cleaning aspect of it and the maintenance aspect of it that 
we can really focus if we can kind of make that the heart of, um, I guess this, this management business and really focus on having the best cleaning service and the best, uh, maintenance technicians kind of around, or at least just being able to have a hold of them that we basically control the market because nobody else would be able to find cleaners. I mean, I struggled for up until I found Liz, who's with my rockstar cleaner and her company. I, it was almost a nightmare to find consistent cleaners. Um, and so I think that's where the opportunity presents itself for, uh, for the management business. Yeah. I love Justin because I love, and this is what I love about you. The first time we, we, we chatted and connected, right. Is that there is that vision. And to me, like, this is why I wanted you on the show because you have really created, and I think like just the fact of like how your brain works is totally being helpful for you in that aspect, but it's just, you recreated this little, little path for yourself. And it's very much about like a lot of the times people get super convinced that, that there's certain way to do life versus going towards there is the, like the least resistance, right? And you've kind of flown through where there's the least resistance being very open. And then now you're seeing the opportunity. And I love every aspect of it because you're touching on a lot of things that we've talked about on the show for a very long time, right? It's just like, get some handle experience, figure out your system. You can start it with your own property and then start putting the team in place because there's always going to be a like who, not how kind of conversation. And then you start realizing that like more and more of your time is going to go into like casting the big, big vision and continue to like enroll excellent team members into it. So I'm, I'm super excited for, for you. And I know like the only thing I knew about me is that you have a lot of like lobster up there. <laughs> You're like, oh, Maine. I'm like, oh yeah, lobster. That's all, all I knew. Uh, this is supposed to show uh, in your, I am, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I am, I'm excited, man. And I think hopefully from the show, you'll get somebody that has a property up there that needs to help. I, yeah. I just want to point out something that I think is super important and, and it's more of a mindset thing because I know exactly what he's talking about. Cause I've got some stuff in New Hampshire and it is very, very challenging to find reliable people up there, um, in some of those small, highly seasonal markets. But the fact that you saw that as an opportunity to go out there and diligently look for the best people to build that team, you saw an opportunity where a lot of other people would just see a headache and they would walk away. And that's a difference from a successful entrepreneur that like has that vision and they're like, there is a need here and I will figure this out versus somebody that's looking to make a quick buck. And they're like, oh, this is too much work and they leave. So it's a key distinction. It was just something that he said that was so subtle, but I wanted to just highlight that because it's massively important that if you have the right mindset and you have that vision for what you can build, as long as you persist, like he said, it took him a while to find those cleaners, but once he did, now he's set, right? Now he has basically cornered that market. So just wanted to give you some kudos on that, man, because that's huge. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think in a nutshell, what I'm looking to do is I want to create the, <laughs> it sounds weird, but I want to create the best cleaning business up there that happens to do property management because it's the property. I mean, you guys know too, like there's so much technology and systems in place on the back end. That's like, it's really not that difficult to kind of go and market and, and kind of do the communications and, and kind of that stuff. But it's the whole turnover process is, uh, is the biggest, like it's the bloodline. So I really just think if I focused, if we focused on growing, honestly, just the best cleaning business in, in on the island, which basically will demand as much work as we can, but also it'll also drive the best cleaners to us. And uh, my goal too is uh, I'm already starting to talk with my cleaner about coming in house because now I basically see my way of 
oh, hurtling, I think, the, um, the challenges of like staffing by taking Liz in-house. So I'm basically giving her a, I will give her some profit sharing or however it's going to work, but she, I'm taking her from a low margin cleaning business that she runs, but has no real business experience for. Uh, and I'm giving her an opportunity where we have all the, the systems and the business sense, and she gets upside in a much larger, um, higher margin business. And then I cut out the middleman. So then like, for example, one of the biggest challenges is that most people on the island, I, they're like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm charging 30 or $30 an hour for a cleaner and for whatever. So stuff like that, or like her, she, she charges X and she's in the middle. So she's going to make some margin. But I've realized that I'm like, okay, well, first of all, I don't care about how much, I don't want to make any margin on the cleaning side of the business. I want to make it on the, on the management side of it. So if I basically take Liz out of it, I can start paying people $50 an hour. And if I can, and I, I think that in itself is going to drive so much demand and all the cleaners basically to come want to work for us that will basically control the market. And at that point are basically, we'll be making our money on the, on the high margin uh, management business. And I have basically given opportunity in to, to some other like Liz, who's the cleaner uh, to, to kind of have upside in it. I'm so happy you came on the show. <laughs> It was, it was such a good call on my side. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for that, but it's just literally like, and I love, I love the concept, right? Because again, it's the path that leads resistance and seeing value. Like a lot of the times, like if you continue to approach the problem, how it's always been approached, you're not going to be able to see where the opportunity is, but being somebody that has had, have a very interesting life one, but also like a very interesting brain that has done a lot of different things. You can start seeing where the connections is and where the value is, you know, and like, it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I have multiple businesses, but I know the one business that is the lead driver for everything else. And then when I focus on that business, I know that my secondary businesses that are interconnected to that one business are going to grow. But if instead I focus on growing all businesses at the same time without having a main area of focus, all of them grow by the inch forward just a little bit. Whereas by focusing on like my biggest business, it like almost yanks the rest of the business up with it. And I think that's what's going to happen to you guys. Because the moment you own the market and all the cleaners, it's going to yank everything else up. And I hope you guys, I think just to give context too. So whether, whether you go that approach, which I think makes total sense where you bring them in house, either way, as you continue to scale, and I've gone through this a couple different times in some different regions, as you continue to scale, you have to, at least in my experience, I've basically had to coach my cleaners on how to grow their businesses because they're super hard workers. But like Justin said, a lot of times they just don't understand. Like I give them a copy of the e-myth. I walk them through. I did a two hour zoom with my cleaners in Florida the other night. Cause I've been sending them a lot of business. And the, one of the guys at the company literally fell asleep at the wheel the other night. Cause he was just working nonstop. I'm like, dude, this is dangerous. Like mm -hmm. we need a timeout. Let me coach you through this. Let's go through your org chart. What do you need? How do we get you an assistant to handle all the back end? Like, when you can do that and add value and show them that you care, one, they're going to be more loyal to you, but two, they're, they're going to thrive as well. And this, like you've said multiple times, it's just how can I create opportunities for other people? And I, I don't know if it was Osborne or somebody else that I heard a, a long time ago. They said, if I could take, build my business and get five other people to become millionaires through my business, like that's a good reflection of like the company and the culture that I've built where everybody's winning, right? Not just like, Hey, how can I pay my cleaners to the least to try and squeeze out as much as possible 
It's just a different frame of mind. When you add enough value and you create enough opportunities, you will grow and you'll have loyal people that will support you so that you're not locked to your computer 24 seven. So it's just a different mindset shift as you're growing your business. Yeah, I, I agree. I think to your point too, one thing I noticed is that as soon as we started to really help Liz with and take more control of her business, but like really lend our time and energy, our resources for honestly for free to show her and start putting systems in place that technically she doesn't work for us yet, but we're putting in systems in place for her entire business because it's making her life easier. She's able to staff easier. And just having that, I know is assurance that we're not going to have issues for our portfolio at this point. So, but I agree. I think it's the whole thing where one of the biggest focus we've had lately is on staffing. So she really has no formal uh, onboarding or training program. And so we basically, the first thing I did was I told her she had to structure her pay differently. Uh, and instead of paying people by the job, she had to pay them by the hour because it's how people were, their workers were, were looking at it, I guess competitive workers were looking at it. So we ended up pushing up the rate to like 35 or 40 bucks an hour. And instantly she had so much interest. And so she's actually at a point where she's like taking a pause because she's like, I have too many people that want to come work. So, which isn't a bad thing. But now the biggest problem is what we're working on now is basically what do we do when we actually acquire somebody or she brings somebody on because there's still inefficiencies at times. Right. And it's like, there's a lack of systems. So we're basically having a complete onboarding and training program uh, so that basically when they get in, we give them a big long sheet could be digital or paper or whatnot, but it's basically going to bring them through the cleaning process, all the trip tips, all the stuff. We're going to have a tutorial video with basically walking them through because uh, Liz is fantastic. She's got everything in her mind, but she just thinks that it's intuitive that everybody else knows it. So that's her problem. So we got to get it out. We got to get it onto a video. We got to get it on the paper, which we started to do. And we're basically going to roll that through. Then we're basically going to take each individual new person and we're going to basically have them go on a shadow with a senior cleaner that's already been through it uh, where they don't clean. They're just there kind of observing. Uh, then the next time they would kind of do a co-clean where two people would, uh, they kind of partner with that senior person and clean a unit. And then the third time is basically, Hey, you're out on your own at that point. I mean, it's not going to be perfect, but they should have enough experience and knowledge at that point to be able to follow the system in place, which is through breezeway, a bunch of checklists, all this stuff. And there should really be, you should eliminate a lot of the headaches that Liz currently has with the, the new people that she's bringing on because they, she just, I think expects them to be these rockstar cleaners, but nobody really knows what to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I love it. Breezeway is going to be super, super helpful for you guys in like creating that. Our Breezeway checklists are this like ever growing, ever evolving kind of thing, right? Because every property with specific property, specific checklist, general checklist. But I also like really like want to acknowledge because it, it's so evident how good you are in your role as being kind of like the visionary because you can tell how much time you're spent kind of going ahead and seeing like what are things that may or may not happen further down the road and how you could kind of create systems around it. Because again, like to me, that is the value of a business owner and somebody that like grows a business. It is understanding like, yeah, how do you find great people? How do you support them? How do you encourage them? And what are some of the hurdles that they're going to see or they may come up with? And how can I support them? Or how can I help them create the systems they need 
to survive and to grow. So you're going to do well, man. I'm excited. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. They, I mean, I definitely like taking the, the step back and being the visionary. I lucked out. Like I said, I just, I've had rock stars that have been able to kind of come and join me. Like I said, Pat is my business partner on the management business. He's, he's kind of my integrator. He does the operations and he's just awesome at it. So like, honestly, I, I'm not in the weeds. I don't deal with any of the management business for the most part, except for more or less directing, trying to systemize, like doing kind of more high level stuff here and there. But Pat is just doing amazing things, kind of uh, making sure that the everything that all the crazy shit that comes through my head is <laughs> is actually integrated or yeah. passed on because we'll chat on it. Like, that's a little crazy. I'm like, all right, we got. Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll hold off on it for now. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, before we get into the last question, first of all, again, like he said, I want to acknowledge you and thank you for coming on here and just sharing your experience with the listeners. Truly appreciate it. And where can the listeners learn more about you and your management company? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So um, I, I'm kind of old school. I do have some social media. I'm trying to get, I, I used to have it. I was off of it for years. So I'm kind of integrating it back in because I, I see the, the benefit of it uh, for the business. But they can find me on Instagram. I think I have a TikTok somewhere, but they should just be uh, at justin.how underscore MP. And we also have um, mpvacationrentals.com. Uh, is our URL for our management business, but we're actually, they probably won't be able to have much access to that because we're, um, somebody's creating, uh, revamping our site at this point. But if somebody wants to reach out at, to me personally, uh, they can reach out at justin.how at maybethproperties.com. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, the last question that we like to ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? I think we've, we hit on it a bunch of times today and it is the delegation of, of work to rock stars. I mean, focus all your time and energy to finding people and pay them well, because that's what I think rock stars don't stay around if they don't get paid well. Right. So I think that's where the disconnect is. I was very open with when I, when I knew Pat was coming on board, when I came across Liz, when I came across Nola, who does our, our, our maintenance for us. And when I, and I could see that they want to work with us and do all these things. I'm very open to basically paying it, whatever it means necessary. I mean, I just want to keep these people. And I know if I put up the investment in the time and energy now with these people that it's just going to come tenfold. So don't cheap out, just <laughs> systemize and delegate to some rock stars. And it's not going to be that hard. Love it, man. Well, thank you again for coming on here. Truly appreciate it. And, uh, for all the listeners, hopefully you guys took some notes. There were a lot of gems in there around effective leadership and casting the vision and uh, going after those higher level employees. So Justin, thanks again for being here, man. Truly appreciate it. Uh, guys, I really appreciate it for uh, coming on and uh, telling my story. Awesome. Thanks, bud. All right. Uh, take care, everybody. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.